Morning. You all right? <laughs> Hi. Um, just get my little illustrations ready. Um, so I've got a cold. Can you hear? It's nice, isn't it? But I'd like to say thank you to John, not for giving me the cold, uh, but he gave me a packet of lockets at the start of the service. So the man is an absolute legend. So um, uh, bear with me. It's fantastic uh, to see you all. Um, so as Kate said, this uh, is part of a series um, and for the benefit of the tape, uh, uh, the tape, <laughs> who, who, who uses tapes these days? For the benefit of those who are going to listen online, um, ooh, check us out, um, do listen to the, uh, the talk that Steve did from last week. Um, so have the context of what we're talking about. Um, I don't know if you have ever taken a picture that's looked like this. Anyone? <laughs> yeah? And you're like, oh, no, I missed it. It was like this great eagle in the sky above the Imperial War Museum. And I, it's not true, actually, but I'm lying to you. But um, have you ever taken a picture and actually you've realized you had your finger over the lens and as a result, you just can't see what it was that you thought you were going to be able to see. And not seeing it all affects what we know and what we understand and what we do with the knowledge and the understanding uh, that we do have. I grew up in uh, uh, the Anglican church, very proud of that. Um, and as a result, um, I was baptized as a little baby. And then when I was um, uh, 11 years old, actually, I was confirmed. And at both of those events in the Anglican church, in those rites of passage, you are asked three questions. <laughs> Obviously, when you're a baby, you don't answer them. That would be incredible. You know, you're like seven weeks old. I turned to Christ. It would be weird if that happened. However, um, you're asked these questions and either you or um, your godparents and parents answer on your behalf. And one of those questions that you are asked is, do you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord? It's quite a big question, isn't it, really? And how we respond to that question is not simply about the words that we use in that moment. It's about the mindset that it gives us for the rest of how we do our lives. It becomes our frame of reference But what if we haven't understood it all or seen it all? Then potentially we don't engage with the fullness of what that statement might actually mean. Who's good at catching? Anyone here? I'm a bit nervous. Please be aware it is a softball. I'm not throwing it up there. That would be craziness. Can you tell me what you see right in front of you? How old are you? 27. 27, great. Chuck it back. 
can you catch? Tell me exactly what you see in front of you. Rich or kind? Go for it. Favorite color? Purple. Uh, Dave. (laughs) Watch out because Marianne's going to jump on your head in a minute. (laughs) What do you see straight away, straight in front of you? I'm not going to ask you that question. (laughs) See, I hold that up and I can see a very bad mug. And I hold it that way and I can see a face. And I hold it that way and there's a question, cat or dog? Cat? Anyone? Dog? (laughs) It's that kind of congregation. You only see in part. You only see what you can see. You don't see the whole thing, do you? And when you're presented with a statement like, do you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord? There is a sense where you're only seeing what you can see. Does that make sense to you? Like you're not seeing all of it. You're only seeing the part that you can see. Now, last week, Steve introduced this series, talked about history, talked about context, talked about this idea that when we, when we write things down, one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to assert an understanding. We're trying to bring clarification. We're trying to put down statements about what we believe, but also what we don't believe. And as the early church was uh, growing, various groups began to teach that Jesus was not God. They began to teach that Jesus was a created being. He was human, but was inferior to the Father. And all of that came to a head in the 4th century when uh, a popular preacher from Libya, a guy named Arius, persuaded lots of leaders, Christian leaders of the time, that Jesus wasn't fully God. And so all of that tension needed to be uh, talked about and resolved. And so at the Council of Nicaea, Um, It was overwhelmingly affirmed by everyone that Jesus was God. So here I am. I'm a kid growing up in a church where I've been uh, baptized as a baby and I've been confirmed. And every Sunday, uh, anyone else here grow up in the Anglican church? Yeah, that point in the service where you say out the Apostles' Creed? And what do you do? You stand up, and which direction do you face? You don't know, just everyone thinks to the altar, it's to the east, yeah? So you stand up, and everyone faces this direction, and we go through this creed, and we go through the statements. So I'm there, I'm a young teenager, and I'm saying, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. But what does it mean? 
actually mean to say that I believe in just that first part? I believe in Jesus Christ. And we may not stand up and face east every week to say it, but we all say it at some point. We certainly will have said the words in our songs this morning. We will maybe say it in our conversations. We sing it and we say it. And also, maybe we assume that we do believe and trust in Jesus Christ. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Dan Chalk on Easter Sunday talked about Christ not being the surname of Jesus, obviously. But then what is it? What is it? Because if we say we believe in Jesus Christ, maybe we are only seeing in part and not understanding the fullness of what that actually means. And because we're not understanding the fullness of what that means, our frame of reference that we live our lives out of may not be all that it could be. You see, it's really easy, isn't it? And, and it's really easy because we're like this, you know, we're activists and this really matters. We can get, uh, it's easy for us to understand a historical Jesus, isn't it? It's easy for us to um, like a radical Jesus. You know, like the, the revolutionary, the Che Guevara Jesus, <laughs> You know, that one. It's easy to get our heads around this incredible teaching. But saying, I believe in Jesus, is very different from saying, I believe in Jesus Christ. And the difficulty is, is that there's something mysterious that we come across when we start to understand a little bit more about Jesus Christ. There's more to Jesus than our rational brains can kind of handle. So I think that this one line of just a few words in the Apostles' Creed is actually an invitation for us to see more than perhaps even we are already seeing. Um, In this picture, who is it? (laughs) It's Jesus, clearly, that's what he looked like. Um, (laughs) Isn't it funny, we're just like, oh no, he must have been like that. Um, But anyway... It is a, it's an iconic picture. It's an icon of uh, an image done by an artist, many, many years old, of Jesus. But there's something particular about that picture, which if you know anything about icons or anything you'll be familiar with, that often Jesus is presented with his hands in a particular way. So he's always generally got two fingers uh, pointing. Um, and sometimes his hands, the hands are like that. That's a, a mark of blessing as well. Um, but uh, Richard Rohr in one of his books talks about how this, uh, having the two fingers raised, notice the way I'm raising my fingers at you. 
nothing rude going on here, um, is that the artist is seeking to portray that Jesus was both human and divine. The artist is trying to communicate something where Jesus is not simply a historical figure. There is something of Christness. As I said, it's much easier for our capacities, much easier for my capacities, because I'm not the brightest cookie ever, um, to handle this historical figure and an inspirational figure. Um, Jesus, this highly influential and kind of a cut above the other great revolutionaries that have ever been. Sometimes we can reduce Jesus down as well, can't we? We just had Easter and I grew up often in an environment where I was hearing people who only seemed to talk about what Jesus died and rose again and that was that. That's all very reduced down of Jesus when this creedal line says, I believe in Jesus Christ. Anyway, let's think about his disciples. The followers of Jesus, the earliest followers of Jesus, had joined in with this revolution. They were drawn like, this guy's the one who's going to, you know, he's going to overthrow it all. Like they absolutely believed that. But in time they discovered that it wasn't just a political thing. There was much more to this revolutionary that they were following. And there's that verse, some of you will be really familiar with this, in 1 John 1 verses 1 to 2. The earliest followers of Jesus were able to say this. That which was from the beginning, the beginning of time, which we have heard and seen with our own eyes, which we have touched, this we we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it. We testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and appeared to us. Jesus is more than just a moment in time. Jesus is eternal and brings eternal life. They saw more. Anyone here ever been in love? This is a point where some of you have to put your hands up. (laughs) Yeah? Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well done, David. Uh, (laughs) uh, You remember the feeling? It may not be that long ago for some of you. Maybe very long ago for others of you. It was inexplicable, really, wasn't it? It just kind of overwhelms you. Anyone here seen The Greatest Showman? Anyone come out of that movie thinking, I want to change the world and I'm going to dance and sing as I do it, yeah? David? Yes. Have any of you ever wept 
because you feel so broken. Yeah? Have you ever held a small child and absolutely melted? Have you ever felt your heart strangely warmed and you simply cannot explain what the heck happened? Have you ever seen a sunset and been like silenced by it, mesmerized by it? Have you ever cried at a video on Facebook? Come on. (laughs) Have you ever breathed in the air as you have sat by the ocean and felt your lungs fill and it's been almost an out of ordinary experience? Have you ever heard the news of us bombing a country and something inside you has just crumpled? Because it feels off. Have you ever forgiven when you have least been able to forgive? Have you ever found hope in an unrelenting darkness? Have you ever experienced anything that has felt completely unexplainable to someone else and yet you know it's true? Like falling in love. These things are sacred and divine and irrational and real and tangible and it is all mystery and I believe it is all God. In the Old Testament, uh, people um, uh, tried to understand God, but it was hard and God was remote and needed to be appeased in some way. And they couldn't even say God's name, could they? But then they knew somehow that creation, that God was present in creation. And I remember when I was um, uh, studying um, some stuff at university and I came across this verse in Romans 1 verse 20 where it says this. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what was made so that there's no excuse. So why do I cry when I see a video on Facebook? (laughs) And why do I weep at certain things? And why am I overwhelmed when I hold a child? And why? Because the invisible God is present in the whole of creation and always has been. God's presence always has been. And yet that reading uh, that Peter read to us earlier from John chapter 1. What was unknown? What was unknown? Became tangible. And took on 
human form. Jesus Christ, human and divine. The fullness of God. Jesus shows us that God is no longer remote, um, but rips through time, in the words of a Bruce Coburn song, and takes on a face. And in Colossians it says this, for in Christ all the fullness of God lives in bodily form. All the fullness of God lives in bodily form. In uh, a piece of writing um, from uh, around the time when the early church was developing, uh, there was uh, this epistle uh, to Dionysus which says this, the one who was from the beginning who appeared to be recent, but was discovered to be ancient. Do you get that? (laughs) It appeared to be a moment, and yet was ancient. It's hard for us because we think in a kind of so rational, binary way, it's either this or it's either that. But even Peter, in an encounter with Jesus, says this. Jesus asks him, who do you say I am? Peter replies, you are the Christ, the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. You're not just a set of radical teaching. You're not some kind of tribal trump card that means we're going to overwhelm everybody else. Jesus Christ. Christ is in all of time and made known across all of time. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and took on human form at a particular point in time. Jesus showed us the face of God. And Jesus shows us what is going on in the divine dance of God. The divine dance, the spin of God. Self-giving love, grace, mercy, inclusion, joy, creativity, forgiveness, generosity. And at that moment in time, the fullness of God shows itself in human form. And Jesus shows us and tells us what that looks like in daily life. It looks like bringing heaven and earth together. It looks like bringing together the human and the divine in every moment we possibly can. It looks like reconciling everything back to how it should be. You see, for you and I to say, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, is actually a statement of, I choose to step in 
to the ways of God and not the ways of the world. I choose to be someone who seeks to bring heaven to earth in every moment and every sphere and every part of who I am. My job is reconciliation. Polycarp was one of the uh, early uh, followers of one of the, uh, the Apostle John. And Polycarp uh, was, was killed at the stake um, for the sole reason uh, that he refused to not say that he believed in Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Lord. Our allegiance to this statement is a public declaration of choosing a different way where we put Jesus, Jesus Christ at the center, human and divine, the one who is the beginning and the end, the one who was from the beginning, who appeared to be recent, that we discovered to be ancient. And in there is so much mystery. And in there is the inexplicable. Why? Because the presence of the divine is in the fullness of now. Reconciling all things. And our invitation is to join in with the bringing of heaven to earth. So do we? Do we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, both human and divine?